this is fucked. Yeah, they can't blame COVID anymore. We're, we're like eight months deep. Okay, they got they got shit working. They can't be they can't be using lame excuses like coronavirus is the problem for for Wi-Fi. No, it's literally it's 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 so annoying. This fucking Wi-Fi service. It just doesn't but it's work. always it's always been bad there. From my experience too, it's always been bad there. I think my provider's at a Woodstock though. I mean, we might need to change it. I'm not too sure how to fix oh, this okay. issue. Then then you might be getting some some cheeky service there. I yeah. don't know. I need to see about getting like a Wi-Fi extender. You know those things? I don't know if you know yeah. those things. Yeah. I need a Wi-Fi extender yeah. to just place one in the hallway down from where my room is. Hopefully that will God damn it. Fucking first world problems. I know. Wi-Fi isn't the biggest one, eh? It's the largest one. Wherever for sure. you go, you hear people complaining about Wi-Fi or like something to do with that. Yeah. Well, hopefully it, it stays intact. I think I think this signal's a whole lot better, so I think we should be good to yeah. go. Yeah. Well, that's oh. good. It's and you were just telling me you got a you're you're working on that new router you got, so hopefully that hopefully that checks out for you and we get some solid recordings now. Yeah, we got some high tech shit going on here. Like, we finally got our budget going. We got some uh, studio upgrades uh-huh, that's going. Yeah. Wait, what's your studio yeah. upgrade? Uh, no, I was talking about your router. For yeah. me, let's let's see. I I got mine. I think everything all at once. So I haven't had the need to upgrade anything pretty recently. I actually, now that I think about it, I probably need new headphones. That's something I've been looking at on Amazon. Well, luckily, I got my little audio interface here. I got some really old shit, an old M Audio yeah. interface with the studio headphones that go with it but i have studio headphones now so that's dope that's dope they're really nice my head no longer hurts after recording are they are they comfortable over the ear ones oh are yeah they like the cushy type big puffy nice so that's something i need i think because like we're we're doing this and we usually run like two hours deep minimum almost nowadays so yeah co- comfiness is i think like crucial i've been even thinking about a chair getting a better chair my desk oh man the chair makes such a difference you have no big idea. time no big time i've i will i'm noticing it like in my back right now i've just been like posturing in like the weirdest ways when i'm sitting on my chair so it's like it's a necessary investment you gotta get that lumbar support boy yup yup that's what it is I, I need to hit the brick yeah anyways thing um you're talking about kanye west on take one i was yeah so my my opening for take one was uh, like one of the best news is I've heard probably this week is like Kanye West is a huge Star Wars fan, and more specifically, he's a huge prequel Star Wars fan. <laughs> I feel like, like the so you were saying shit. yeah you were saying that you haven't heard you didn't watch the new Joe Rogan podcast yet. Right? No, no, I've, I'm still stuck on the McConaughey saw, one. Yeah, because... you saw McConaughey. That was a good one. I, I was liking McConaughey's. Yeah, he, he's really a great good. guy. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's just a really good storyteller. Like he he tells you why. Yeah. But like, well, he sounds like even he sounds like the wisest forty. Like you know, he's pretty young, kind of forty year old, whatever he is. But he's like the wisest fucking, probably like a seventy five year old whiskey drinker soul. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Joe Rogan put it best. That's he's just a, sitting on the porch. He's a whiskey philosopher, which is what I strive right. to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that that kind of analogy made like when when you're drinking like a couple whiskeys with the guy, and he's just spewing off like great philosophies like when he said that that reminded me of my own dad like that's him you get a couple of drinks in him specifically a, like a rum and coke probably just like just listening to a couple sentences out of that guy's mouth reminds me of like yeah him and matthew mcconaughey could like have a great podcast probably but yeah no kanye west that's what i was talking about before that was um interesting 
to kind of specifically hear about the Star Wars thing because everything he was saying was so fucking true. So, like, even if you haven't gotten to that point in the thing, like, I would just say, like, check out the clips. Oh, yeah. About what he was talking about. It I was feel fucking, like um, the bad yeah. shit crazy shit that happens in the prequels, the disorganization of it all, sort of would, you know, vibe more with Kanye. So that kind of makes sense. Well, here, here's the crazy thing. So he's, everybody associates him to be a really crazy and outspoken guy, which he is outspoken and everything he was saying in the podcast, at least like what I'm following up with, like he's a very rational thinker from what I see. Like, you know, he might have his moments of sporadic thinking or really out there thinking, but I mean, I think all artists kind of go through that. So to his credit, when he was um, kind of going through Star Wars and he was really specifically talking about conversations even like we've had, you know, like about Disney Star Wars are out there going versus OG Lucasfilm, George Lucas's vision of storytelling, uh, just the Skywalker saga overall, right? Like what his overall arc was for those characters. And he's he's touching on these points like, oops, I think I have a mic there. Um, he's touching on all these points like the Disney movies are really just corporatizing, producting like these kind of mythic stories that what George Lucas was trying to make. You know, and it, it was it was like really crazy to hear Kanye West understand Star Wars like that. I think that's like that's cool to see like this this pop artist is a nerd at heart in some ways, which I think we've known for a while. But like, yeah, 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 I think that's the general public consensus now with regards to the sequels, which is. Yeah, but to hear talk about a lot off mic yeah. in terms of like, oh, for sure, how the prequels are remembered now, dec- like a decade and a half later versus how the sequels will be remembered a decade and a half later. And I think, I don't know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to be widely different. And a lot of people are saying like, oh, people hated the prequels at first. And then in everyone, given time, everyone started loving them. It's like, well, not everyone hated the sequels. Like it was pretty 50-50 split. It was like, so I, I don't know. I think the legacy of the sequels is going to, uh, as more and more shit comes out, like every year, somebody mm. from that film, whether it's Boyega or we hear something about the behind the scenes, something comes out mm-hmm. where it just signifies the entire thing was a goddamn shit show from the beginning. I'm, yeah, I'm more so, interested in that behind the scenes story at this point, you know, than what future kind of things they're planning. They're like silent a, on that front, but you're hearing yeah. something from from like the shit going on back when they were making it like every other week now. Yeah, it's like a car crash. Like you just, it's so horrifying. You can't, and you hear you like another your, fucking person another dead body is found or something like that yeah yeah casualties keep adding up yeah it's a what what i find what that's cool about it too is like on the biggest podcast two of the biggest like most prolific guys are talking about this kind of thing so like you know hopefully like this gets to disney somehow i think that would just be crazy it's like yeah that's true that if, if if um if the fans weren't loud enough you know oh yeah i don't know i don't know what else can be at this point they, they've been They've been uh, not not polite on the recent Star Wars movies that come out. Not nice. Well, I'd say all for the better because with the right criticisms, maybe we'll get some good Star Wars content. I think, yeah, like more importantly, there needs to be a good focus on like what kind of movies are they trying to make? What kind of stories are they trying to tell, you know? Are you trying to make a product? Are you trying to sell toys at the end of the day? Or are you trying to you know like carry on 
these characters in this universe that George Lucas started. I think it has to start from that place. Here's the like, thing. This you is, can do you know, both. It's okay to sure, do both. Sure. And Good point. Good point. I think two movies I watched this week sort of exemplify that mm-hmm. um, with Kung Fu Panda. Because Kung Fu Panda from a, like from its stamp, it was designed as like a way to market kids' toys, really. Mm-hmm. Um, an animal cartoon about Kung Fu. Obviously, it's about marketability and like sort of creating a franchise. It takes those kind of things. It takes those things that are really marketable, doesn't it? Right. For young people, Kung Fu and animals, zoo animals, pandas more specifically. But it, it didn't have decades of legacy to carry it to where it was yeah. still merchand- merchandisable without it being a good story. Um, so Kung Fu Panda, I've only watched the uh, the first two this week. They only have the first two on Netflix. I think the third one's on Prime Video, but it's weird mm-hmm. that I have to go back and forth. But Kung Fu Panda, and I'm, I'm being absolutely serious here. The trilogy might be one of the greatest trilogies ever. That's a yeah. I don't think that's a. Are you talking about like in all considered trilogies, like Godfather? You put it up to God, Godfather. Well, I've heard Godfather three is a, or Godfather two is not so good. Like in terms of like no I, no Godfather two is the best one. Godfather three is the one that's uh, a little shaky. Oh okay. Uh, but funny thing about that, they're actually he's coming up with a remake of that, or not a remake of in that sense but he's um a, a, a recut a coppola cut if you may uh, a la snyder cut so that's a maybe we'll talk about that in a different story but yeah true yeah the godfather 3 is coming out with a, a new longer different take mm-hmm. um but yeah so kung fu panda the trilogy what did you like kind of like about it i think like for the time it came out and was a really um for like original movies original stories like uh it was a great kind of start, you know, with the first movie. But what were you kind of into with that? What I'm into about them is the villains, actually. Um, the villains are like the main driving plot points of both films. And a lot of the movie needs to be carried by their motivations or how they sort of contrast with Poe because they really are like a, a contrast of what poe is um within the first movie like tai long has to be my favorite villain in the trilogy from the first movie which is a shame because you know i kind of get the the best one out of the way first but um tai long as like a in contrast to poe you know poe is master shifu's success and tai long is master shifu's greatest failure and tai long sort of like this anakin skywalker like character being told he's some sort of chosen one, being fed this idea that he's going to save everything. He is destined to be the greatest warrior. Um, but when he's denied that up front, he sort of turns on everybody. And it's just really weird, but really good, like father-son dynamic between Chifu and Tai Long, sort of an Obi-Wan, akin Anakin um, relationship. And it's like the climax of that movie is absolutely incredible. It's fucking awesome um and it, it's more of um, a redemption story with regards to shifu rather than poe like poe's the main character obviously for sure for sure but yeah. shifu's the one who kind of has the largest arc within that first movie where poe is the driving force or the, the catalyst to his redemption he's arc. the traditional protagonist like that you're following but yeah yeah don't let shifu's arc go under and i notice i love traditional protagonists whether it's like luke skywalker or um frodo from lord of the rings like 
when the call to adventure and the traditional hero's arc is done so well, there's nothing mm-hmm. I love more. And I know it's like basic sort of filmmaking storytelling, but like when it's done well, there's nothing that you can derive from it other than enjoyment, as long as you can get past the fact that it's a typical story, quote unquote. So uh, that's where I think Kung Fu Panda thrives. It doesn't try to do anything crazy or special. It just does the fundamentals of what storytelling should do. And that's why it's so effective with me. It's like the ultimate example of that for me and, and Star Wars yeah. four, five and six, but um, it's a good, it's a good comparison you made to Star Wars is that it kind of, I don't want to say replicates that formula, but um, it, it takes those like Joseph Campbell um, hero journey kind of, you know, points those, those landmarks that you um, subconsciously, uh, you know, that you feel through a story, especially with Poe. Um, but like somewhere that it, it differs from Star Wars is where you have a, a variety of like an ensemble of kind of uh, characters with depth, you know, Master Shifu being in one where the first movie gives you a lot like it, it doesn't sequel bait you to think let's let's explore these characters further on somewhere else. You know, Shifu's arc is kind of all complete within that first movie and so is Tigress's, like from what I remember, you know. I think all of the seven all of the not seven. We're not we're not talking about the boys here, sorry. The um what what is the group called? Like the, the Oh the uh, Furious Five. The Zoo Avengers, yeah, the Furious Five. Um yeah, the Furious Five, like each of them kind of play a I think a good role in um pose like coming into this reality of like Kung Fu Masters, right? Mm-hmm. It's more of um in the first movie, I wouldn't necessarily say Tigress. Um, all the Furious Five kind of take a back seat, which is fine because they expanded in that in the second movie um, mm-hmm. to great effect where they all have even more personality. What little lines they have, they fucking nail. Jackie Chan as Monkey is incredible. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Seth Rogen as Mantis, obviously. Um, and then... It's a, it, well, it's a fucking great cast all around. They even got Angelina Jolie. Dude, it's a star-studded cast. And they got fucking... Um, how am I forgetting his name? Jesus Christ. Gordon from Batman. Fucking. Gary Oldman? Yeah, Gary Oldman is the peacock. Who did Oldman play? He plays the main villain of the second movie. And he does it the second so well. Um, oh. He plays Lord Shen. And that's where the second oh. movie sort of continues the story in such a natural way, whereas in the first movie... I'll be honest, yeah, I don't remember the second and the third movie that well. So. Um in the first the movie peacock, yeah i yeah. remember that though yeah pose redeems it's it's more of a redemption of shifu through yeah. poe and then in the second movie it really sort of expands on poe more where you learn more about his story and how you know how that's tied in with lord shen and um it's more of a poe focused movie even more so than the first one which is a good thing and then you also have more stuff with tigress um yeah and would you say it takes the uh traditional kind of uh trilogy route of like if you compare it to star wars kind of where like the middle one is exploring the darker routes of uh the darker themes of the characters stuff oh like yeah that. oh yeah it, it it explores um poe's origins and how they're like super fucked up to be honest for a kid's movie there's some fucked up shit that happens in in kung fu panda 2 some really violent stuff damn like, Maybe I gotta rewatch that. I, I can't remember Kung Fu Panda 2 that much. Yeah. Um, 
and like the main villain lord chen sort of has like a typical plot like he wants to rule china but that's like sort of the overarching thing compared to what his actual role in the movie is as like a, an antagonist towards poe mm-hmm. like yeah he wants to take over china which is like you know villain 101 but um i think when you actually look there's a lot more depth to that character like why he wants to take over china sure. what happened to sure. him because of that like his motivation becomes pretty darn clear yeah um, and it's nothing like special or complicated it's just really good and it and it comes in contention with poe quite well and like every movie i haven't gotten to the third one yet i haven't i haven't watched it in like a year um but every movie's villain is a new step that poe has to take that allows him to further himself and better himself in some way to where he's eventually not a jedi master but a kung fu master so um like again just uh solid movies overall and people are like are usually surprised when i showed it to my roommate she was completely surprised that like the actual quality of the story and the quality of the messaging within that story it's not some goofy movie that's just kung fu animals it is that yeah but it's like so much more yeah i think that's what yeah that's what i was meaning when it came out during this time of like kids movie and kids shows in general i think like where it was good storytelling, it was fun entertainment matched with the um, the kind of meaningful stories that you'd want to get from, like you know, like a hero's journey or whatever. And yeah, I was even just looking at it right now, like the the music done in uh, Kung Fu Panda is by Hans Zimmer, so it's amazing. Just like I think the overall quality of f- the film there, I think is for sure there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, for me, I think like one of my favorite characters in the first movie was for sure the villain. And um, I think the parallel that he had with Tigress was one of my favorite parts, too. You know, like, she kind of has... Her arc is, like, where she sets up to think where she's going to be this hero, the chosen one, essentially, to, to, you know, be the master, essentially. Yeah. And, it like, you know, as a kid, like, even from character design, like, it's just... Everything is so designed for you to follow along simply like from a kid till till an adult like you're still able to pick up on stuff that they're doing right like as as an adult today you can watch it and like it's making me want to i think go watch it your own um your own experience of talking about it yeah like tai long is such a fun to like he's so fun to watch he's so charismatic and and terrifying at the same time his yeah his escape scene his prison escape scene is absolutely incredible and it like he he's such a villain that gets built up so well throughout the movie, um, yeah. More so mm-hmm. than than any other villain. Like, I I think in the two sequels, like the villain sort of gets introduced right away, whereas in Kung Fu Panda One, it's like a real nice slow burn of Tai Long, and you get that build up through an hour, and you hardly see him, but like whenever you do, he's super effective. Um, at at you know at, at making an impression on the audience obviously through like i think the first one did it best because you know it's it's the most memeable um movie out of all three and i know that's like a weird analysis but um w- when you have <laughs> that much internet memes coming out of one movie you know it has made some sort of impact and whether that's just nostalgia or the actual quality i don't really know but i think it has more so to do with the quality of the film yeah it's stuck in the uh the cultural zeitgeist for forever at this point it's felt like 
It truly is. You know. So I'm it's a it's to... a Jack Black movie too. It's a classic Jack Black film. Oh, yeah, I didn't even talk about Jack his, Black. Yet. His, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get into you know you got into a good deep analysis there, but like he fucking brings the light out of that movie. You don't even you know have... it's Jack Black when you're watching. <clears throat> Honestly, as a kid, it was Jack Black to me. It was like one of those key things, like one of those pillars in the movie that I loved about it. But that's not it's it's not um it never took anything away from me. You know, it was like. It, it was great to see him play a hero that worked for him. He wasn't, you know, Superman. His flaws played, not Jack Black as a person, I mean, but like um, Poe's flaws, his insecurities as a person made it believable through Jack Black's portrayal, uh, oh, yeah. his voice acting, you know, big time. Um, I could see, you know, Jack Black. Sh- it's so weird kind of just saying that name over and over again, but like, you know, I can I could see his um, his voice truly come out through Poe and um yeah just a just a overall great cast I think for that movie you, you can even see in the behind the scenes stuff with Jack Black like they would say like hey yeah. that was good that was a good take he's like no let's do more because I feel like I can do better and like he actually like took on like sort of a physical <laughs> acting role when he was doing his voice voiceover so he bought into the character for sure um which is good like you know I bet you if I read that script as the voice for Poe, even though I wouldn't be a good voice for Poe, just seeing his his journey take place, I would be like, okay, this is actually something that might be a little special. So let's put a little extra into this, and that's that's what Jack yeah. Black did. So yeah, that's the uh, the Kung Fu Panda analysis I had. I still gotta watch the third one though. That's a good. Um, that's just a good reminder for people to just take it back to those good old times movies, you know. Doesn't yeah. matter how old you are, where you come from. There was a like, time where DreamWorks was fucking killing it with like Shrek. That's what I mean, and bro. Kung Fu Panda yeah, and all dude. The, yeah. How I how how to train your dragon? I was about to say oh, how. Oh my god! Yeah. How to train your dragon? Um, yeah, like all the all the stuff you just named too. Like the what a era for, you know, animated films in general to really, to really just be something great yeah. for for just you know, movie making. Uh, and just like being there is something for kids adds good stories like i don't know if that's there anymore you know i'm not one to pay attention as much to um just kid movies or kid tv shows uh but just from what i am aware of it just doesn't seem as much as uh quality you know for the story for the for what are the kids getting out of it yeah you know yeah for sure so yeah darn zoomers sucks Let's 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 bring it back to that. That's that's a good old. Yeah, let's not like zoomers. What zoomers? Oh, never mind. You're not you're not deep in the internet culture. No. You know you know what not too. You know what boomers, correct? Yeah. Okay. Our generation is, is that what they call? Is that what they call it now? Zoomers. Okay. So you have boomers. Um, our generation are um, gloomers or doomers. Okay, that makes sense. And then people born two thousand and up are zoomers because they're just zooming. Yeah, I might have I might have missed out on uh that whole fucking uh that, that whole that conversation. On the yeah, internet. okay. Yeah, when when that whenever that took place, that well, Zoom meeting, I, I wasn't there. I'm glad to catch you up. That TikTok when that went viral. Nope, sorry. No, yeah, let's not even get into TikTok. Um, let's get into more old shit that i've been watching continuation of trailer park boys 
um fucking fantastic season four and five are like i think Fuck. my two favorites so good fucking fantastic oh those so are the good. best seasons i think too oh god yeah oh god yeah. yeah the hash driveway season is so good yeah yeah um not much else to go off there i think I went everything in. well everything just gets better with um with like Leahy and randy at that point too things are just boiling up oh and, yeah uh, just the yeah. little things For- like the episode where randy has to wear a shirt and it's just like mr Leahy, like why do you put a shirt on me don't you think i'm good enough and he's like of course i do randy you're beautiful i'm just like okay like it's it's so good just the little lines i did want to sort of talk about like how this is such a uniquely canadian show um mm. and sort of like bring in the show letter kenny as well and talk about like the canadian type of humor because i think canadian type of humor is like very similar it's it's more similar to british humor than it is american humor which would make sense for mm-hmm. canada since most of what canada is was just an extension of great britain for a while Sure. So like, I, I've noticed that like there's a lot of similarities, but go on. Yeah, there's um a lot of ways Canada, uh, specifically our part of Canada, rips off of the Brits. But um, so yeah, I I don't know much about Letterkenny, but what and also about even like what is identifiable Canadian humor? Because we might have listeners who are not Canadian and don't know shit about Canadian TV shows. So what are some identifiable traits there? I think it's like the subtlety and the dryness of line delivered comedy, where sure yeah that, that's a good way of putting it yeah that's more british like like just mm-hmm. you have to like kind of pay attention like a dry and, like a really dry humor sometimes yeah it's like it's it's so casually said in such a dry yeah. way to where you have to like pay attention and then i i don't know i just love that type of humor because i love british humor too like um and also it like well i from everything from like you know trailer park boys and i've heard shit's creek is pretty good too but like I think more because uh, I'm more familiar from trailer for boards. I'll just speak from that. It's it's kind of less of um, held back from the cable standards. I feel like I don't know if like I, I don't think Canadian cable television like laws and standards or anything of they're not like loose regulations or whatever. But trailer park boys was really uh, it didn't feel PG. You know, I wasn't trying to be a really family oriented PG show, but it, that doesn't mean that you couldn't watch it with your family, I feel like. You know? Oh, no, I can't watch it with my family. They don't think it's funny at all, which well, is no. fair enough. <clears throat> I feel like I feel like some families, that could be it. I, I, I'm curious what kind of families, but yeah, no, my family hates it too. So yeah. maybe maybe that's what brings families together. It's just like the great debate in Canada. We don't have the presidential elections, but we have trailer park boys. Yeah, yeah. what's that? <laughs> the trailer park <laughs> you know? boy debates. That happened I've, I've definitely got i've definitely gone in those debates with my with my folks that's like same no here. you know tra- yeah i try to uh, tell them a trailer park boys is genius it's one of the greatest canadian yeah. television shows ever made and they just look at it and they all they hear is fucking dope and shit and suck my cock and well alcohol. i forgot if i uh if i we like we talked about trailer park boys a couple times in this podcast but did you know um the original premise or like the original pitch for the show was like a short film that they made, which is it, it acts as a prequel to um, the entire the entire show essentially. Yeah, I, I heard something akin to that. It, it like yeah. it, it this um this idea sort of just fell in their lap and they ran with it, um, to great success, obviously. Incredible success, I guess you know. 
Um, it becoming... was essentially just like it was Ricky um, and um, Julian, like Rob Wells, J- John Paul Tremblay, and uh, like they wrote it. Not I don't know if they intended to use it as the pitch for the show, but it ended up working somehow because it 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 seems like one of those things again, kind of like The Office, that it wouldn't have worked today, in in today's whatever like kind of media scape we're in it it seems like such a rare roll of the dice that a show like that kind of got produced got you know the right producer founded and like the people making it um so yeah it's just like it's a great kind of timeless piece of entertainment always will be yeah it's just really neat to see something from such a small community in canada with trailer park in nova scotia of all places in canada become sort of international icons of 420 and like weed culture which is hilarious so we're not like they uh, these guys that were just making some stupid mockumentary about a trailer park are now like buddies with snoop dogg which is hilarious to me so i don't know good show it it puts canada on the map in a big way i I feel great pride for it great proudness oh yeah yeah and letter letter kenny's sort of doing the same where letter kenny sort of has a big Mm -hmm. following within america as well so um, I would recommend you check out Letterkenny on Crave if you can sort of get a little insight into my life. <laughs> we watched Borat 2. I think you watched that too. Oh yeah. Oh god, um, yeah. Yeah, Borat 2 came out on a on a on a pretty fucking quick short notice there. But um, Yeah, it really came up fast. It was like, "Oh, they're making a Borat 2." And next thing you know, it's yeah, fucking on Amazon exactly. Prime. Like, the trailer came out, like, a week ago, and you're like, oh, yeah, so that exists. And, and then you, I learned, like, they just made that even this year. Like, a bit of it was filmed last year, I think. But overall, they just made that movie this year and turned it around pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so like, it has, quick. it's a lot to do with COVID. Not a lot to do, I guess, but the that kind of plays into the plot. Yeah, the second yeah. half has to do with COVID. Yeah. Which is, like, whoa, good time in there. Good time in there, Sasha Baron um, I thought it was interesting. I, I I like how that's one of the things I liked about it, I guess, which is, you know, not a a hot take to say or anything too obvious, but how self-aware, I guess, the the movie is and how he is just about the placement in the world that his character is in this, you know, in this situation. Like, immediately the movie starts off and Borat can't really be Borat in America anymore. He's noticed by everybody, right? So... Uh, he has to find disguises and he has to like start off the movie with that kind of problem and what did you think about like how how the girl in the movie his daughter i i really liked it i thought i really liked how yeah no i was iffy on it at first but um it sort of grew on me and then it kind of lost me at the end again where it's just like i kind of like just more of the absurdity of the situations she got put in or like i thought she was used effectively in to to create that absurdity and that humor from the absurdity but like i don't know like yeah there's character arcs in this movie but i don't really that's not why i watch a borat movie to be honest i watch a borat mm-hmm. movie to see these like absurd situations and this um cringe humor to where i can't even look at the screen because i'm so embarrassed for the people on it so um in terms of how she was used there yeah totally effective like Hilarious. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. Like, I think, I think, like how, you know, they could have gone the route of doing essentially the same thing of having him there, but it would have, like, I guess, you know, him and being in disguise the whole time would have still been really funny. But 
having the situations even more absurd with his daughter as a character or having a Borat's daughter, you know, like, and how they played it off, essentially. It just made it, it almost doubled down on that absurdity, still, you know, poking fun at the fact that it's a, it's a Borat movie. So, uh... I will say I haven't. Is it laughed. better than the first no, movie? No, it's not better it, than the first one. But I haven't laughed that yeah. hard in a while. Yeah, good point. It's a. It was a. It's just good timing for the movie to come out. It, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's probably not as funny as the first movie, but I still liked it a lot. It has some strong points, um, that are like you know as 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 far as quality of a movie goes. I think even some points that are stronger than the first movie. I think it was like a pretty, and some points really had me had me going like with just feeling emotions there and which you know surprised me for a Bora movie it made me think like you know Sasha Baron Cohen you know credit to him is already I think a smart ballsy filmmaker for making a movie like Borat but I think should be more credited for kind of just being the type of filmmaker that he is is really like you know um out there is just an understatement but kind of like it's it's kind of like uh I don't even know what to kind of call it. Like, it's not a mockumentary and it's not a documentary. It's a, it's a hybrid of both, you know. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a revealing movie, and that's what his movies always are. Yeah. Um, it's very revealing. By using it, the absurdity. Yeah. I'm afraid that this movie will be way more dated and less timeless than the first one because of the circumstances of COVID. Like, obviously, like giving like the severity of how big COVID is as an international issue. Like, you can't just ignore it while you're filming this, but. Um, well, the first one was like a fucking phenomenon kind of a movie. It felt like, yeah, it was like, you know, it was just a movie that it was like, oh, you gotta see this movie. It was a part of every conversation. It felt like, or every, just every d- dialogue, pretty much. It was every sleepover. Like at least I'm talking about, you know, just the age we were in when it came out or whatever. Every fucking trip, every, any time a friend came over, it was like, let's just put on Borat, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. This movie, yeah, for sure, does won't hold up to that same, that same kind of legacy. But I, it carries legacy, I should say. It, it, it's not, it's not a failure to that Borat name. I guess not to put it too dramatic. No, it's not a failure. I wouldn't say. Um, it has some great. It has some great moments. It to put it simply, it had some really great moments that, uh, um, uh, to, uh, you know, obviously, like there's the absurd, funny shit that you know you're gonna go and expect but there's things that like they're really i didn't expect that were gonna happen and i don't you know that even when you go into making a movie like this that how could you expect stuff stuff like that to happen i'm talking about characters like fuck i don't remember her name there's not a character because she's a person in the movie she's just a person but the you know the um the black lady that they they go in the black babysitter lady yeah that they drop her off in the in the south and um they're just uh she he drops her daughter there and it's just like the the moments that like are produced from those interactions are just like you know they're not scripted they're just really genuine moments um where she's you know it's so weird talking about a poor movie like this people are probably like bro it's not that serious but it, it's not that serious but it's just like these moments of like really heartfeltness that come out you know and it kind of got me like fuck that like that's a really crazy moment to happen in a poor movie you know yeah it it was surprised me like how plot heavy and like character driven it got which was a little jarring it was really plot heavy yeah. yeah it was it was way more plot heavy than the first movie yeah um 
so that was a little odd to me like i didn't hate it um mm-hmm. i thought it was well done the way they were able to sort of weave in like an actual story with the mockumentary reporter type shit so that was well done in my mind it was just a little um a little odd like the things that i laughed at the most were all the mockumentary stuff like the interviews yeah and the disguises and like him going into the bathroom while See, he's I'll, still on the yeah. fucking um screen share typing in porn shit that made me laugh oh and so he has it hard. playing in the fucking yeah yeah he still has it playing in the fucking store yeah so oh my god um, I'll, I'll be honest like n- no doubt that's that shit's hilarious like that's expected to be funny that's sasha baron coleman doing his shit mm-hmm. but for me the stuff that really got me was uh you know scenes like when he's taking refuge during the covid like when he finds out covid is a thing now right mm-hmm. and he's taking refuge with those two hicks um i don't know what to call them this QAnon fucking believers you know um and he's like, I can't believe just two random guys just like, we're like, yeah, let's just let this random, like, <laughs> yeah, the circumstances behind you know, it. Like, I can't believe they actually went through with this. Like, yeah. how did they actually? And it get seems the like, yeah, it seems like they went through with it for a while. Like, it, like developed a relationship with Borat and did it, and the entire time not knowing that it was Borat. That's the part that I really couldn't believe. Um, it sounded like Borat, you know, but no, they they just didn't know and. uh yeah that that was one of my favorite things is like something that you wouldn't expect to really work out like they they ended up probably bonding on their hate for the democrats and the jews i would assume you know that was probably the conversation you had to have yeah and just imagine sasha baron coming after saying a character like that entire that entire time yeah i can't do it i I can't even think about it he could definitely do it he's incredible with, with regards to that um that's what i'm saying that's bro that's what i'm saying like that's people are gonna think like yeah he was in and out of there probably a day or two filming a few scenes like no he was probably staying there for a week full character borat playing that guy mm-hmm. and this the moment that hit it for me where i fucking died is when he's you know they're at the um i don't know if it was a trump rally or a anti-covid vaccine rally or something like that but you know you got those kind of people there um and he gets up on stage and starts playing a song uh the and it's the song that that the uh the hick wrote yeah for him yeah yeah to play yeah that right? made me lose my mind where i said oh my i don't i haven't said oh my god more in a minute than at that moment is is that moment there not pure cinema though not necessarily cinema it's pure comedy oh it was but it's pure comedy and it was pure cinema it was like the the whole unraveling of that going down i was losing it i was losing it you could have a fucking holler at that scene yeah um i will say that the second one is less of an every person movie than the first one if you know what i mean like the first one like it seems like everybody could really enjoy it um whereas the second one is definitely more scoped in on a specific group of people that it's trying to make fun of so um not that i'm saying that like you shouldn't make fun of them that's not what i'm saying but it, it's a it was it was a little le- it, it seems like the second one's going to be a little bit more divisive than the first one for sure you think so yeah. i think that yeah well that's kind of obvious that's just like the time we're in everything's divisive yeah, everything's going to be controversial everything's divisive Everyone, like yeah i mean you know there was shit controversial with this movie before the movie came out 
if you think about it. There was already viral stuff going on about this movie with certain scenes, certain people in it, certain political things. So, like, you know, it's... it's, And the movie came out, like, the day before the... Um, the uh, the presidential debate so it's like it's completely timed for the politics it's a political satire i guess and like just kind of uh trying to get right in the middle of that stream of people thinking about politics like and it's like oh here is it's like it's like the equivalent of when you're trying to find like a fucking pirated movie online and like an ad for some fucking porno website comes online and it's just like a penis pop up and you're like oh, i didn't expect that you know boom walk out of it it's like that's what borat is in the cultural digest right now i didn't know where you're going with People that analogy like, oh. but i guess it kind of worked out in the end that's like the analogy that just popped into my head i don't know how true to it it is if people analyze that post me saying it but i feel like it's true i feel like it's a true analogy borat is unsurprisingly what we need in the world right now it's like a flashlight to all the fucked up perverted politics that are going on maybe that was me getting too deep there but you know that's what it is what it is it's fun check it out that's my uh final statement on it just a fun fun time good laughs well thanks for tuning in to our weekly catch-up episode uh if you made it this far congratulations you did it but make sure to tune in to the next episode episode 31 which is our sci-fi back down halloween special where we look at alien and life and we sort of get into a pretty great discussion about what makes a movie timeless versus more Hollywood. Um, but yeah, make sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube at Mythic Morons. Leave a rating on whatever podcast player you're listening on. And thanks for tuning in.